1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 260 of So You Want to Be a Photographer. My name's Valerie Koo, and I'm here with Gina Malisha. How are you, Gina? I'm great, Val. How are you going? I'm good. This week, we are getting stuck into part two of what we started um, two episodes ago about Mm -hmm. photographing groups. So we've got The Beginner's Guide to Gear and Lighting for Groups with Daylight or Flash, Part 2. And if you didn't catch Part 1, it's only a couple of episodes ago, so check that out. But you can also listen to this as a stand alone. Now, we want to give a big shout out to Mandy Benson because she asked us a question in the Facebook group. And if you're not already in the Facebook group, make sure you come and join us. We're having a party over there. (laughs) Just search for So You Want to Be a Photographer podcast community on Facebook and request to join. We'd love to have you in there. So Mandy said, hello all. I'm one of those creepy stalker people (laughs) that (laughs) listen to every podcast and follow the group, but I'm not brave enough to post anything. So here goes. Until now, I have been primarily working with natural light. I want to challenge myself to branch into the world of flash. I shoot with a Fuji X-T3 and I'm trying to figure out the best way to start. I'm thinking a Godox speedlight is a good first step. Does anyone have any advice or recommendations for which Godox model I should get?
2: Okay, that's a good question, Gina. What's your take on this? It is, and thanks, Mandy, for that question. I have the X-T3. I picked that up this year. And uh, with the Fuji system, I actually... Experimented with a few different flashes, and you can sort of Frankenstein a system together with the Fuji flashes where you use uh, triggers like uh, cheap triggers. So, you've got um, what you need is a way for the camera to speak to your flash remotely. So let's say the camera is Steve and your flash is Dave. We need some way for them to be able to communicate with each other. And so you can actually use something like um, Yongnuo or Cactus uh, triggers. So you put a um, transceiver on your camera and a receiver attaches to your flash. And then it's kind of like it a- acts as an interpreter at, at, with to the flash from camera to flash, so that uh, when you press the shutter, it'll send a signal to the flash to fire. So I experimented with using uh, Pocket Wizards and also Yongnuo's, and I was uh, uh, able to use my Canon 600ET uh, flash, I think it is, the, 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 the latest version of the Canon flash with my Fuji trigger. So you could also use any... Um, uh, model of flash so you could get, even go cheaper than Godox if you like and say try something like a Yongnuo flash and you can pick those up for about $80 or if you've got a a, a spare little speed light kicking around you could you could Frankenstein them together, and the reason I say Frankenstein is that it didn't always work effectively, and it did frustrate me to no end. Like for that for that time when I had that perfect shot lined up, and uh it the flash wouldn't fire for reasons beyond me. There was no reason why it shouldn't, but they just can be a little bit temperamental. So then Godox comes into the picture, and I must admit I I own. a godox ad200 and i've also got a uh, the godox x pro wireless flash trigger and having a dedicated fuji trigger with a godox flash is amazing because Mm. it just works it just works seamlessly and consistently and it's kind of what you want when you're doing flash off off camera you you don't need to have that extra stress of, will this work? Which was constant when I was trying to use uh, different triggers. So I, when it comes to what kind of flash you need, uh, I think, Mandy, you need to think about what you're going to be doing with your off-camera flash. And if it's just to learn on... I recommend that maybe you start with one of the smaller Godoxes, like the 860, uh, which is like a, the size of a speed light, so that's maybe an 80 watt second, so just on that. Um, the The wattage, how powerful the lights are, is also something that you might want to consider. The more powerful the speed light or uh, external flash that you choose to buy or portable flash system, the more money it's going to cost you. So a speed light runs at about 60 to 100 watt seconds of power. So the average is around 80. And with that at full power, you can't quite overpower the sun. And especially when you've got a diffuser on the front of the flash. So a diffuser is something that will... uh, Soften that the light source. So if you've got a panel in front of your flash and it's got to go through, say, two diffusion panels, by the time the flash hits the subject that you're trying to photograph, it's going to be a lot weaker. The other downside of having working with uh, a flash that's not as powerful is the recycle time, and I, I don't think a lot of people give this as much credit as it should have because. If you've ever tried to photograph, say, a group of people or a, a, a shot where you're working with your flash at full power, and you think that having to wait two seconds between flashes, two seconds doesn't sound like long, does it, Val? One, no. two. It's not long. Now. The two seconds when you're standing in front of someone that you don't know, and you're trying to, and you're waiting for the flash, and you've run out of small talk, feels like an hour. Mm. It really does. And Mm. I did this with, uh, I've done this with the Goldies. I've done it with uh, other students where I've said, "Let's see, let's try and pad that out." So you're waiting, and it's like, ah. Okay, so just waiting for flash. That looks really good. You look really great. It hasn't recycled yet. Okay, just about, and we're ready to go now. Can you you see how frustrating that would be? Mm. So that's something that you want to consider. It depends on what you're going to be shooting. So if you think you're going to be going out and you want to be overpowering the sun, uh, you want to be shooting against uh, where people are backlit and uh, you want to have like beautiful blue skies or or saturated colours in the background, you might want to consider getting something bigger. But I think to be learning on, uh, the smaller flash will suffice because as you get higher in wattage, they get more expensive. Uh, so the uh, as I said, I've got the AD200, which is a little bit stronger than a standard speed light by about a stop of light. So it gives you that extra boost. Uh, and uh, it's it's also a, a sexy little unit. So if you've got some money to you, that that you're happy to to spend, and you want to go to that next level, the AD two hundred. If you want to go to the next level again and cover yourself for all options, then the AD six hundred, which is six hundred watt seconds of power, is uh, a bigger beast of a light, and that will um, give you like all the light you need for a single. Um, situations and also where you've got groups more options to work with more power uh a whole lot sexier so i think uh that's what you do but my advice to you start with the smaller speed light learn how to use it practice with that and when you get really confident and you're happy with the smaller speed light upgrade to a bigger one and then that smaller speed light that you started with becomes your hair light, backup light, little fill light. You can never have enough lights and you'll find that you start small and then you know you probably if you're going to be serious about that you might want to have at least uh, three portable lights so that you can do what we're going to talk about today Val which is lighting groups.
1: Yeah, absolutely. But lots of wisdom bombs there from Gina and some great advice. And, of course, if you're in the gold community – you get to experience lots of tutorials from Gina in our tutorial library, but also you're in a separate Facebook group that Gina is in all the time that you can tap her brain. You also have a monthly Ask Me Anything on a Facebook Lives where you can chat to Gina. It's an awesome community, so if you want to find out a little bit more about the Gold community, have a listen to this.
2: This podcast is brought to you by the Gold community. I loved mentoring Christy Hurd, who's been a member of our Gold community. I've always encouraged members to pursue their own passion projects. Christy started taking photos of a Brad Pitt doll to practice her lighting setups, but this escalated into a full-blown passion project as she started to photograph Brad in a variety of different outfits and locations. Ultimately, she created a stunning coffee table book
3: of her images. Putting a book together is something that I've always dreamed of um, and I've actually done it and I'm incredibly proud of it and the feedback that I've got from family and friends and from the community as well, Gina, you know, it's just been amazing Um, and it's opened quite a few doors um, and you never know where it's going to take you. Yeah, I have, um, I've had a couple of people interested in working with me. Um, one of those people is a fashion house in Paris. It's amazing. Called... I know. <laughs> when I'm speaking it, I'm like, really? Um, yeah, so there's, there's a fashion house in Paris called uh, Lords and Fools, and they create um, fashion for men and women, which is inspired by... Um, Military, so they, they're very regal. They've got a lot of, um, you know, great looking outfits that they create, and um, they created John Bon Jovi's waistcoat that he's currently wearing on stage. If you'd like to find out more about the Gold community, just go to GinaMilitia.com
2: and click on Join the Community.
1: All right, so let's get stuck into this week's topic, which is the beginner's Guide to gear and lighting for groups with daylight or flash, because shooting groups is a bit different to shooting individuals. Mm. There are so many more variables, and you don't just you don't just have to focus on one person, you actually need to take into account the fact that people there's a group of people and they could be at different distances from from your camera and the lighting is not just on one person's face or eyes you actually have to take into account
2: that there's multiple people there so where do we start with on this Gina all right so I think uh, the best place to start is we'll start with basic ways to light groups so uh and uh, so using daylight which is I think a really good option and then the the way I like to light groups if I'm outside is hopefully to light them with mostly daylight, and then I might add a little bit of fill flash, but the way I like to light with fill flash is to make it kind of fail-proof, so that if something happens and my flash doesn't work, I can still salvage that shot, which is what you want. So, I think the most important thing when you're planning a group shot is the planning valve and the, the art of pre-visualizing the shot or thinking, of, and this is something I wrote about in my newsletter um, last week about what kind of photographer are you? And it's a question that I asked. It's like, are you the kind of photographer that just uh, reacts to the environment around them? So they'll turn up to a shoot and go all right, I'm here, I'll just make the most of it, or are you going to try and stage the shot to work for you because you've got an image in your mind's eye that you want to recreate. So I think um, the latter is going to make you a, a better photographer, being able to picture exactly what you want, how you want your shot to look, how you want everyone to be placed in that shot and how you want everyone to be lit. So then then you can then take the steps to make that happen and then take all the right steps to ensure that you don't end up with um, any disasters on the day because... When you're working with large groups, Val, you want to be able to focus all your attention on the posing and the directing rather than yeah. having to worry about what your lights are doing. So I think to start with, when, the, um, when you get asked, and it's not, it's not often that you'll be walking down the street and someone taps you on the shoulder and says, hey, can you photograph this group? Because there's mm-hmm. a lot of work that goes in, get goes into uh, organising a group. So you're going to have some notice. You might have weeks or months where this group of people are going to come together at a particular time. And so you have a chance to have a say in where that's going to be. So what you need to do is, if you can, go and um, scout the location and... Think about the time of day that you're shooting. Now, like ideally, you want to avoid shooting in the middle of the day because that's going to give you hard light. So you want to try and uh, shoot in the safer time, so earlier morning, later in the afternoon, where you've got softer light and you're not going to get heavy shadows. The best place to photograph a group, if you're going to be working with... Uh, daylight is to look for clean open shade so you want to be avoiding uh, the overhang of trees it's going to give you dappled light you want to try and uh, avoid hard light hard sunlight hitting your group so look for clean open shade so often uh, having them in the shade of a building if it's a a large group could be good Mm -hmm. so you want to scout the location and say okay I know you've said let's do this at midday, but there is there any way that we can change this to three o'clock in the afternoon because I know we'll have this area here, this large open space where everyone is nicely in the shade, and I've got some nice light behind me that's going to, you know light everyone beautifully. So that's that's uh, crucial when you're doing uh, group shots to avoid. I think the, the the probably the worst thing that that people do is will put people under the canopy of uh, trees, thinking that mm. it's going to be even lighting, and then you yes, get all we these mentioned that a couple of episodes of ago. Yeah, so nice even lighting. Now, when you're bringing in flash, a lot this is where a lot of people get confused as to how you light the group and mm. what you do with your flashes. So. Um, I want to break down the best uh, lighting setup to do and the best modifiers to working with flash for lighting groups. And this is something that uh, you can also do as a beginner. It's a fairly straightforward uh, system. Now, the thing is with lighting groups, Val, Mm? it's not a place that you can get uh, super technical with your lighting unless you've got hours or days or weeks of post-production to do the, uh, the lighting. So the best way to light a group shot is to do it simply. And you want to try and replicate daylight as much as possible. Mm-hmm. All right. So the best way to do that is to use the right modifier. So if you're uh, working with, say, simple speed lights then what you're going to have is you need the right modifier to place over the speed light that's going to diffuse the light. So the best way that I can describe the difference between the kind of light that comes out of a speed light when it's not diffused, so it's the naked flash. Mm -hmm. Everything's naked. Naked eye, naked flash, have you noticed (laughs) that? So the naked flash... Has nothing over the front of it, so it just uh, and the flash that comes out of that is a hard light. And I think the best way to describe what happens when you place an umbrella in front of the flash is it's like imagine uh, you've got a hose, right? And you know the hoses that have got the 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 guns on the front of them that you can change the pressure of the water that comes out so that when yeah. when you're watering your um, beautiful delicate flowers you can change the spray to be a really soft soft mist.
0: Yeah. It's
2: almost like a mist, right? And then yes. if you you rotate keep rotating it, it'll it'll change like a to jet. a to a jet where you can use that to get like. Uh, bird poop off off your deck, right? <laughs> or things like that, or you know, get get spider webs off your window. It's like a really hard jet. Yes. The, when you've got your uh hose on fine mist, you can see that that, that, that the the mist of, of water is really soft and it goes everywhere. Okay? Mm-hmm. And when it's really hard, it just will just like hit the whatever you're you're aiming it at, and then it's kind of like that's that's the only place it goes really. It's just this hard jet. So when you've got your speed light to uh, without a diffuser, it's like a hard jet of light that's hitting your person. So Mm. if you're trying to light a group with two bare or one, even one bare speed light off camera, you've got this hard jet of light that's hitting your person. So it might light the first person nicely, but the person directly behind them is um, going to get the light, but it's going to be blocked by that first person. So what you're going to get is hard shadows because it's hard light that you're hitting them with. Does that make sense? Yes. It's this yes. hard jet of light. So what you want to do is you want to change your light to fine mist so that the light goes everywhere and it spreads nice and evenly all over your 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 group of people. So the best way to do that is to place an umbrella in front of the light and that diffuses the light. It's like uh, having a nice bank of clouds over your sun. All right. So it's, mm-hmm. the flash goes everywhere. Um, so... It's the safest object – it's the safest option. Now, a couple of other things, and this is – I got this from, like, trial and error that that I worked this out. But there's actually a mathematical or a scientific formula that describes this called the inverse square law that describes how light works. And you know me and science, Val. Yes. How that works. So the best way – The best way that I can describe it, instead of busting out all the science formulas, which is just going to make everyone switch off, I think, Mm -hmm. is to talk about it with Lego, all right? So, what I've done is I've busted out my Lego and I've... And a torch. And you can do this at home because like seeing is believing. And if you So you
1: actually busted out. I did actually
2: bust out my Lego. So
1: if you go to the show notes, everyone, which is over at GinaMilitia.com, you will see that Gina has taken these instructional shots using her Lego pieces. It's fake Lego and a torch. Okay, it's not real Lego, it's fake Lego. (laughs) To show you how it works when you're photographing groups and where the light falls, depending on, you know, the the distance from the camera.
2: Yeah. So what you can do at home tonight, because you want to be able to see this um, where it's it's dark so you can see how this happens, is get yourself like a, a, a white wall or a white floor or a large white sheet of paper and then get a torch and turn the torch on and then look down and you can see you can see in the in the show notes how how I've done this but you can see that and I've arranged a group of um like how many guys are there one two three four five six guys in a group and I've brought the, the torch right up close now when I've got the torch very, very close, what this ma- mathematical or scientific formula of the inverse square law is, is the closer you are to a light source, then the, f- um, the faster the light drops off. All right? Drops so off where? From the light, from the, the light source. So if, you, if you're trying to light someone, if you're trying mm. to light a group of people and you've got, say, three rows – there's the front row and then yep. a meter back we've got the second row and yep. then another couple of meters back we've got the third row it make it it's um it's like a natural instinct to think I need to make this as bright as possible so I need to bring my lights in nice and close right mm-hmm. you think that that's what you need to do so you bring your lights in nice and close and what you find happens is the front row is lit really brightly, but the second and third row suddenly become dark and then they're not getting any light. So you move your lights in closer and it gets worse. Mm. And that's something to do with the inverse square law. So you find that the closer your subject is to the light, the, um, the faster the light's going to drop off to dark. And this is how we create split lighting. Right. Using the inverse square law. If you want to create like a, a portrait with split lighting, just bring your light very close to your subject and you'll have the brightly illuminated one side of the face and the other side will drop off to shadow. Now, it's it sounds so counterintuitive. And that's why I'm saying get a torch and have a look for yourself. So in knowing this, when you look at the uh, overhead view of the light and know that there's a bright spot right next to where the light leaves the source, right? It's brightest there and then it drops off. Somewhere around the middle, uh, when you back that light off, there is this sweet spot of light where it's even all the way through. And so when you're lighting a group, if you want to get the entire group evenly lit, you don't need to move your lights closer. You actually need to back your lights further away Mm. so that you get the entire group in the sweet spot. So I've got an overhead uh, view that shows how the group is lit, how the front person gets all the light and the back people are like almost in um, shadow. And you can see that from the ground. You can see our front guy is beautifully lit. The the guys in the third row uh, are pretty much in shadow. And then – the aerial view showing where I back my light source right back and I place my group in that sweet spot, then the the fall off um isn't as rapid and you will get like mm. this even um pool of light and that's how you wanna that's how you wanna light a group shot. So backing your light off great. when you So it's counterintuitive it is and it's confusing and, and it's like it'll be, continue to be confusing until you see it for yourself. And so mm. this... Understanding this about lighting will change everyone's world. Once you know this, then you, you can pretty much do any lighting style there is when you understand that this is how light functions. It shouldn't. It doesn't make any sense. But we've proven it with Lego, Val. We've proven and it. I'll,
1: I'll encourage you to have a look at the show notes over at GinaMalitia.com. And even if just for the fake Lego, which I believe are, I think Gina's got the village people yeah. in Lego form. Yeah. There's the construction. There's the police guy. It's all my fantasies
2: in a single shot. (laughs) 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 But it's just it it it's so clear when you do this just this simple little thing. And I've 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 talked about this before with lighting. Get yourself um, little dolls, little um, styrofoam heads, and this and try this technique with lighting and see how light works. Because if it's a torch. A flash or a lightsaber it all behaves in exactly the same way so knowing that you can now set up your lights and you can see the final uh, group shot where i've moved them into that sweet spot everyone is beautifully evenly lit right all right Good. so yep makes sense okay so first thing Keep your lights back further rather than moving them in. Use something like umbrellas to diffuse your light. You want your your light on that fine mist. Now, in terms of gear, when you're shooting group shots, I think to save yourself headaches uh, down the track, because when you're doing lots of people, four or more people, are, chances are one of them's going to blink. One of them's going to pull a face, and three quarters of them look fantastic, and one or two people have got that wrong look on their face, right? <laughs> if you use a tripod and when you set up your group, you've got everyone in position, and we've gone through that in um, the part one of the episode all the different poses. Right. Once you've got your group set up and you've focused, you've focused a third of the way in, right? Um, and if you're using autofocus, what you do once you've got your focus is you lock your focus. And the way I do that is I turn the autofocus off, so that I'm not no longer focusing uh, for the shot anymore. I've set my focus point. Does that make sense, Val? Yeah. All right, mm-hmm. so and then once also once I've got my frame and I'm very happy with it, I'm going to make sure that I've tightened my tripod so that it's not going to move up and down or left and right. The frame is going to remain the same for every single shot that I take. Okay? Mm-hmm. And so then what I do is I might take um 10 or 15 frames or 20 frames of that group and if it's all on tripod, if someone pulls a face or does something i can then easily easily edit that face out in photoshop by merging a couple of images and you can swap heads around very easily because everyone's the same size nobody's moved does that make sense yeah all right what you want to uh, do when you're shooting groups is uh try and avoid working with wide angle lenses And the reason for that is the wide angle actually uh, will distort the group. And if you're, um, say, uh, you're trying to fill the frame with a wide angle lens and you're shooting with a 24 and you've got your person at the front is very close to the frame and the people at the back like, might be three or four meters from the frame... The person at the front is going to appear larger than the people three rows back. They're going to all look little. So you've got to make sure that you avoid the long lens. So you're shooting on tripod. You're trying to shoot at 50 millimeters or longer so that you don't have uh, that distortion. So I I like to shoot my uh, group shots at between 70 and 100 millimeters if possible. All right, so... To light a group shot like this, Val, with uh, flash, I've got in the show notes, I've got a a little overhead of a diagram for the simplest lighting using flash to do a group shot, right? Mm -hmm. So, basically... And this is uh, it. Also allows for if you're shooting something inside, or even if you're shooting outside. Now, if you're shooting inside, one of the things that you need to remember is if you've got a group, then you want to have them a minimum of six feet from the whatever back wall that that is in the in the space to the first person that's in the group to the the, the back row of the group. To the back right? row. Why yeah. is that? Because what happens is the flash will cause shadows. Mm. So you're going to get shadows. Now, if the, the flashes, uh, if you allow that six feet, then you've got space for the shadows to fall and they're just going to fall on the ground behind the people and not hit that wall. And that's mm-hmm. going to save you so much, so many headaches and problems. Great yeah. The Great other tip. workaround is you could light the back wall, but that's a next level stuff. And so when I'm doing um, photo shoots with groups and I've got a whole studio set, I might use eight lights and I would have two on the back wall. That's going to eliminate the shadows. If you don't have that option and you're just starting out and you just want to keep it simple, then having that space is going to eliminate any shadows on that back wall and you've got a nice clean backdrop. All right. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. if by chance, here's another good tip, if let's say the people that want you to take the shot are going, oh, we want to do it against this window here where we've got the (laughs) view. Why does everyone want to shoot against a view? We've got the whole view of the city behind us. It's just lovely. And you start shooting and the first thing you're going to see when you've got glass behind the group, even if you've got that six feet, you're not going to get any shadows on the wall. You're going to get reflections from your lights. In mm. the window and you are going to drive yourself insane trying to position your lights so that you don't get a reflection save yourself the trouble and because remember we've set the camera on a tripod we've locked everything off nothing's going to move Okay, mm. before you take a single frame with um, your lights just take a clean plate with the, the flashes off and you'll get the background without any right. reflections and then you can actually merge that in using photoshop by combining the uh the the uh, the, the the exposures the before and the after so as part of your workflow, learn to do this every single time. Take a clean plate without any lighting in the shot so that you've got a nice clean background, if you've got a super shiny background, and then add your lights and you won't you'll be able to remove those reflections very very easily. All right. Good one. Yeah, I okay. like that. So, Uh, The next thing you want to do is you've got your umbrellas. Now, ideally, if you've got a very large group, let's say you've got, you know, 8, 10, 12, 15 people, you want to have enough power to light both the groups. And what I tend to do is, again, we've got our lights backed right up. If you're working with speed lights, I think you need them at full power. You're going to need the full grunt. You may need to even, like, double up your speed lights or move on to um, a larger... Uh, kind of speed light and we talked about this at the start of the show where you might want to need something with more watt seconds of power was that this show we talked about that yes Uh, more watt seconds of power so you you might need to double up your speed lights but basically if you've got a single speed light and an umbrella and it's a shoot through umbrella not the reverse umbrella so there's there's two kinds of umbrellas. There's umbrellas that go over your speed light and the speed light passes through the umbrella onto your subject. Does that make sense? Yeah. The other kind is an umbrella that you actually, um, the, you turn the flash away from your group and you bounce the flash into the umbrella and then that bounces light onto your group. That's like a, a bounce umbrella. It's okay. the other way. Does that make sense? Yes. It okay. Does. Now that that reversible umbrella not as good for this kind of shot because it's super super soft lighting. So you're going to need a lot a lot stronger light to be able to manage a group and uh it just doesn't have as much output. So if you've got the the reverse the bounce umbrellas you're going to need a lot more grunt in your speed light. So you might need to double up your speed light. So just remember that. It's the shoot through that I like. And it's white, white umbrella shoot through. You also want to make sure that So again,
1: it's counterintuitive.
2: It is, yeah. Yeah, But the direct light is going to be a bit nicer. It's going to give it gives Mm. you a little bit more power. But it's like it's again. Remember the umbrella. It's the hose set to fine mist. We're spraying a lovely fine mist of light over everyone. We're not trying to do anything fancy. The light is going to be flat and even. But that's pretty much all you can do with a group shot. So you've got your light set to full power.
1: And there's a diagram in the show notes. There is a diagram
2: that you can see exactly. And you want to make sure that you've got your light height at around six foot high. So it's kind of you're bringing the lights up over your group and then lighting your group and sort of Mm -hmm. slightly pointing down. And I've got one on either side of the group. And then I like to have a third light directly behind where I'm shooting, the photographer, and just above my head, and just to, to clean up the middle areas as well. So I've, I used to, I I'd like to use three lights for something like that. So three umbrella lights. That's going to give you nice, even, clean lighting like it was daylight. If you want to take this next level with your group shots, and what I do with a lot of my cast shots, fail is yep. I you can do... Um, things like composite lighting so you might use this as your base and this is next level stuff so this will work beautifully for a group shot you'll get nice clean lighting but if you want to take it next level um, and get like a nice shape of light on everyone's face then I've had assistants go in and actually light every person individually with a single <laughs> light and then you merge those shots together but you can Great. see that that's a lot of extra work and so yes. and often when you see um Movie posters and and a lot of advertising shots where everyone in the shot is so beautifully lit and they've got beautiful highlights and they've got the beautiful fall off on the face they've all been individually lit and the entire mm. shot has been comped together. so but when you're doing large groups, you kind of have to um, step back a little bit and make it a lot simpler. And and use this sort of base method. But from the base, from this basic setup, you can do so much from there. But, you know, you're going to have lovely clean lighting, no shadows on the wall, no reflections either. And then once all that's set up, you, you, you can move your people around. Everyone's going to get that same quality of light. No one's going to be brighter or darker. And then you can spend the rest of the time just focusing on Uh, the expressions so um, if you're a gold member check out the uh, June and the August AMA because I've got uh, posing scripts for you all so basically what I say uh, when I'm setting up these shoots and how I direct the people and we've also uh, gone and done a really deep dive into uh, setting up uh, these sorts of uh, group shots as well Val great excellent excellent
1: this is cool. Yeah. What else you got? That's it. We're covered. <laughs> we got it, Val. How much more well do, you done, well do you want? Do you want to know, do you want to know All right. This so a word? lot of um, <laughs> great tips on gear and lighting with groups, and I think that uh, some of the gems are are um, the ones that are counterintuitive. Um, particularly in terms of the distance of your lighting from the group. And do have a look at the show notes because Jean has included a bunch of diagrams in there and also the way the umbrellas face, also counterintuitive. So yes. fantastic. I like this one. It's get really good. Get
2: the torch out for sure tonight. Get Just for one thing, honestly, you'll just go, oh, my God, this yeah, all makes sense now. Yeah, just get a torch. Now. And if you don't put it have on the Lego men in the form of village people,
1: just get, you know, your salt and pepper shakers or the the your herbs that come in the jars or something like that and and use those, just something small that you can use, pretend to people and your torch is your source of light.
2: And you know All what? Right. Post those shots in the um, podcast Facebook group. I'd love to see, like, show me when you bring the torch in closer how mm. that light works and, yeah, do your spice do your spices or do yeah, your um, your dollies or do it with apples I don't it doesn't matter what you do but show Great, me that, that's a good one yeah show me that this makes sense to you and you can see that backing the light off evenly lit bringing it closer and then you can show me split lighting on an apple using this uh, <laughs> inverse square law I would love to see it. All right, so um,
1: we've come to the end of this week's episode now. What's our Aussie slang of the week?
2: One of my favourite Aussie words, Val, it's pash. Pash. P-A-S-H. Pash.
1: P-A-S-H. Pash. So So, uh, if you guys know, if you guys who are not from Australia know what this is, Good on you. (laughs) There's even a song, actually. Kate Sobrano released a song, Pash Me. Amazing, amazing Australian singer, Kate. Do you want to um, enlighten people
2: as to what pash is? So a pash is uh, Aussie slang for a passionate kiss. So it's not that. Kiss that you give your auntie Mabel when she comes to visit on the cheek. It's the pash that you um, have on the, 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 you know, someone that you, uh, you, your life partner or someone you adore, right? The pash. So you say, fully, oh, did your, it's like, on your first day. Did you have a pash? Did you have a pash? It's what and, we and learned to do at that barbecue up, when you, I was in my you, teens when the parents thought we were. <laughs> we, we had pash lessons, Val. Did you have that? No, from whom? Oh, from the older kids in the group, they like they actually showed us and we practice on like a sheet, of, like the window first. Yay. There was like a full lesson of what you had to do. It was like very no, stressful, Val.
1: and also apart from saying, did you have a pash? You could sometimes turn up the next day with a pash rash. Pash rash.
2: Pash rash. It's a great word. Yeah, it's one of my favourites. The pash. <laughs> There you go. Drop that in a sentence this week.
1: (laughs) <laughs> and and use it in the Facebook group. Come and love join it. us love over it. at So You Want to Be a Writer podcast community. That's what you search for if you're on Facebook and request to join. We'd love to have you in there. So many great photographers from all over the world, from all walks of life and all different levels.
2: And where do we find you online, Gina? You can find me at ginamilicia.com That's G-I-N-A-M-I-L-I-C-I-A. I'm at Gina Militia on all social media. And then, of course, if you want to connect with me in person, then Check out the gold community. Just go to GinaMilitia.com and click on join the community. What about you, Val? You'll find me at Valerie Koo, that's K H O
1: O, on Twitter and Instagram and over at ValerieKoo.com. Thanks for listening, everyone, and we look forward to chatting to you again next time. Thanks, guys.
0: Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer. For more information, free resources,